foundation and understand uh, why why Jesus, how it all happened, how Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our pains and how it happened and how it was the fulfillment of prophecy and how to the very jot and tittle of all that was prophesied, Jesus fulfilled it. And then last week we talked about the keys. We talked about three ways that God heals the, the lost or the unbeliever and three ways that he heals the believer. And uh, I'm not going to go over that, but uh, this would be some things if you missed that you should get a hold of. And uh, because we're moving towards something in this church. God has called this church to be a healing ministry, to have a healing ministry to the sick both in the sense of unbelievers as we go out into the highways and hedges you just on your normal day it's going to start happening to you now now it's going to start happening to you it's already starting to happen to me things are activated that have never been activated before and so it's going to be happening to you often where you're going to have opportunity you know yeah. Jesus told us we don't have to wait for something the harvest is already ripe hallelujah we just haven't been picking up on the clues very well because we didn't know how to and we hadn't been taught to and uh, so uh, for three years I've been studying this on on healing the sick how to heal the sick from the perspective of the church how to heal the sick from the perspective of the lost um, by studying that I mean I've been reading some books um, read some Francis Mac Francis uh, McNutt books he is catholic but has a tremendous healing center in jacksonville florida he's building a new healing center getting a lot of people healed uh, and he's healing believers mostly for the most part it's believers uh going to that ministry to get healed. And uh, then uh, reading uh, John Wimber's books. I would encourage you on both of those if you want to read some things on these things. John Wimber had a tremendous major revelation of how to get the lost healed. And he, uh, he really kind of initiated. Whereas now Rhema and Word of Faith movement, Rhema taught us healing from a different perspective they taught us mostly how to use your own faith to get your own self healed that was really the emphasis and that's not a bad thing to know in fact i'll tell you when you hear of uh mighty healing ministries that have died before their time and died young and died of serious disease it's only because of one thing they didn't know that part. They may, a lot of people know how to get other people healed. They don't have a clue how to get themselves healed. Uh, and even Oral Roberts said that about himself in his later years. But in his later years, he learned also. Hallelujah. And he's sticking around, isn't he? <laughs> Hallelujah. He uh, did stick around. And so, uh, <coughs> um, but, you know, healing... We were talking about Gordon Lindsay earlier in the service, a lot of us, uh, and Christ for the Nations. Tremendous healing minister. In the 1948 through 1957 major healing revival, he actually was writing the uh, newsletter called The Voice of Healing that told about all those ministries, but he died young. And his wife lived to be. She just died last year. She's, was, she was ancient of days and still running Christ for the Nations in Dallas, which is a Bible college. And... Uh, so, um, anyway, um, praise God. I think we're going to have to have a little air in here. It's a little stuffy in my face. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
So everybody else may have to bundle up, but just a little air. Um, <clears throat> so uh, where was I? So been reading those books and everything, and uh, John Wimber actually founded the, all the vineyard churches. When you hear of a vineyard church, he founded that concept. And, you know, it's kind of sad to say, but a lot of them aren't really healing ministries. They don't have that. They do pray for the sick, but they don't have it to the degree that John Wimber had it and taught it. He trained a lot of people to be healing ministers, though. Okay, a lot of people that have dynamic healing ministries today got it under John Wimber. So that's some of the things that I've been studying for about three years now. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about preparing your faith for healing the sick. Preparing your own personal faith because we prepared our faith to receive healing for ourselves. We've, we've worked on our faith to believe for finances. We've worked on our faith to believe for protection and, you know, keeping our children and our household protected. We've worked on our faith in a lot of areas, but probably we haven't as much worked on our faith to get other people healed. And it's, and it's important that we have faith to get other people healed. I think sometimes we think it's just going to hit us out of the blue. The anointing of God's just going to, we're going to be walking through life and somebody's going to be sick and the anointing of God's just going to hit us. And that day we've never been anointed before, but all of a sudden we're anointed and we lay hands on the sick and there's a mighty recovering miracle. But that's probably not going to happen. It, I'm not saying we can't ever limit God and put him in a box. He could do anything and um, he can use donkeys, remember, but he does a lot better using prepared donkeys. In faith donkeys, hallelujah, and stuff like that. So we talked and started just a little bit last week talking about dominant faith. Who in the, when we come to healing and we come to somebody being sick, who is going to have the dominant faith? And uh, I mentioned last week, and we can go over to Mark chapter 5 right now. I mentioned last week that when Jesus ministered, you would naturally assume that he always had the dominant faith. The Bible says that he, uh, we know he had the full measure of faith. His faith was fully developed and he, you just, you can't get past Jesus. But it wasn't, it was just that, it wasn't that he didn't have dominant faith. It was just that sometimes he didn't have to use his dominant faith. It wasn't necessary for him to use it because somebody came to him that had dominant faith and uh, used it really kind of before he could even get in the picture, if you know what I'm saying. And that happened in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. And it says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus... So she heard something. She came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my Hallelujah. So Jesus didn't even know this was coming until he felt that virtue go out of him. And so she came and she had the dominant faith. She didn't even ask Jesus to use his faith. She didn't even say, now, if I, she didn't say, uh, she, she said, uh, um, 
If I may touch but his clothes. She could have said, if I could only have talked to Jesus. That's how most people today would say, oh, if I could only talk to the healing minister. Or if the healing minister, a lot of us are like Naaman. If the healing minister would only call me out. Or if the healing minister would only lay hands on me. Instead of, if I may touch but the hem of his garment. She said, you know, I don't, he didn't even have to use his faith. I, got, I, I see this. I've got it. I understand it. If I will touch his garment. Hallelujah. And so she did. And he turned to her in verse 34. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. He said, hey, that wasn't my faith. That was her faith. He told them, that wasn't my faith. That was her faith. Hallelujah. So that woman had the dominant faith. Then in the same chapter, we have Jairus. And Jairus came in faith. And verse 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Now that's faith right there. Hallelujah. And he hasn't, he's asked Jesus to come though. He wants Jesus come. He wants him to lay hands on her. So obviously his faith is kind of in a different place than hers was. And when we get later down in the chapter and they come and they say, well, don't trouble the master any further. Your daughter has died. We see Jesus has to jump in with dominant faith and hold his faith together. Because here he had faith and he came, but then he was, he was about to be moved by what he heard. Hallelujah. He was getting scared. Fear was about to rise up. Because, and Jesus turned to him and said, Be not afraid. Only believe. And Jesus had to kind of boost his faith up. Take, and, and, and so sometimes we will have to have faith with a person. We, the, you know, they kind of will have codependent faith sometimes. In other words, they're not, they've got faith, but they don't have enough to get it all by themselves. And so we've had, we've all been there at different times. And then over in Acts chapter three, verse one, we see where the ministers, uh, uh, and there's a lot of places, but this is just one, the one I thought of. No, Acts, I'm looking for Acts. I was in Luke. Acts chapter three, verse one, and this is at the gate called Beautiful, where Peter and John went up to pray at the third hour of the day. Hallelujah. And this man had sat there the whole time. Jesus walked back and forth in front of him. Uh, he might have even heard something about Jesus. I'm sure he did. You know, people uh, that are sitting there, they're probably listening to everything people are saying as they're going by. And uh, uh, the ninth hour of the day, actually. And he, and so he was lame. And, uh, and so he, but he didn't have the dominant faith here. It, actually, it was Peter and John. Actually, I, it's kind of, a, he, he might have had a small amount of faith because he did, it says, look up expecting to receive something. But it was not, uh, it was not, he was not being specific. He didn't know specifically what he was expecting to receive. He didn't know what was going to happen. So obviously, this was totally on Peter and John's faith. Nearly completely. But the thing about it was, was he was open. Because he looked up, he gave them his attention. They said, look at us. A lot of times you can't even get people to look at you. But he said, he, he said, look at us, look on us. And he looked and he gave them his attention and he expected to receive something. And so he was open. And so they could use their dominant faith to get this man healed. 
And they did, and he did. Hallelujah. So uh, we, as healing ministers, need to prepare ourselves to have dominant faith. We might not always have to use it. We may just have to help somebody and meet them in the middle. We may have, we may, they may come up and say, uh, you know, uh, just, they may practically ask us. Hallelujah. But we, we, do, uh, we ourselves have to train ourselves that we would have dominant faith, especially if we're going to go into the workplace and the highways and the hedges and uh, we're going to minister to people. And people are always giving you doors to minister to them. I know they are me. Because any time somebody starts talking about their aches and their pains and their ailments, they are giving you an open door to minister to them. And you remember we talked about last week, you always assume the light is green unless it's red. In other words, you may hear go, but if you don't hear anything, go. Now, if you hear stop, then stop. But if you don't hear anything, it's go. The light's green unless it's red. Hallelujah. That, that's how it is, the traffic light. Unless it's red, bless God, they're going. Amen. <laughs> and watch out. Katie, bar the door. <laughs> Hallelujah. They are going unless it's red. Even if it's been yellow for 25 seconds, they're going because it ain't red. Hallelujah. Okay. So we have to have that attitude when it comes to ministering healing. And when so when they start telling us about their aches and pains, you know, we can uh, uh, we can start maybe asking some questions. You know, that's a good place to start is to say, well, um, you know, she's, they say, uh, uh, maybe they say, my stomach is, I've been having this, I've just got this pain in my stomach. You say, well, how long have you been having that? Now, you know, well, do you know what's causing it? You know, and you start asking them some questions. And I love one thing, and we'll talk about this later, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just feel itchy to say it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we can have an humble attitude instead of saying, I'm going to lay hands on you and God's going to heal you. Right there, you create doubt in their mind. You just created doubt when you do that. Because they don't, you know, know these things. But you can say something a little more backed off and say something like, well, some of the times, sometimes, God has, I have prayed for people and God has healed them. Not all the time, but sometimes. And there, you know, you're not putting them on the spot that they have to be healed. You're not putting them on, the, you're just saying, and then you can say something like, well, would, would you care if I prayed for you? And sometimes we think, especially us, we think we got to attack it from faith. And you know what it, the truth is? We don't even have faith for that. We say, I'm going to lay hands on you and God's going to heal you. And we, it even makes our own, it makes ourselves doubt. It, it really, it does. Because we are not prepared to, you know, and that might be different if you're uh, used to flowing in the healing anointing. You've been having words of wisdom for 25 years like Joe Morris. You might could say, I will lay hands on you. You will be healed because you've had a word of knowledge and so forth. But, you know, where we're at, all of us, uh, in this experience level of ministering to those outside the church, 
we could just say real humbly, sometimes I've laid hands on people and God has healed them. And then just pray and we'll learn how to pray specifically because God never did tell us to pray. He never told us to pray for the sick. He told us to heal the sick. And if you ask God to heal them, they won't get healed more than likely. So he's already done it. And so he wants you to take your authority and pray commanding prayers. So that's why when you ask questions, you find out something. Like if their back's hurting, you can say, well, do you know what's wrong with your back? Well, I was in a car wreck. Well, what part of your back is it? You know, you can find out some things. We'll talk about that more later. So we prepare ourselves to have dominant faith. You know, you don't go to the place to having dominant faith by accident, but on purpose. It's an investment that you make. Even if God appears to you in the night and Jesus walks in your room and He said, I've called you to a healing ministry. And you will go to the nations and you'll lay hands on the sick. You still have to prepare. You still will have to get in the learning curve and learn how to do it. You'll still have to prepare to have dominant faith and prepare for every situation, especially if God calls you to the nations and um, every situation you'll come up against. So one of the things we do to prepare is, first of all, we come to know that we are ministers of healing. How many of you think in here you believe that, 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 no, let me start over. How many of you would like to lay hands on the sick and them recover? Okay. How many of you really believe that in some way God's spoken to you either through Scripture or the still small voice or some way, just a witness of your spirit, that you are really called? I mean, you have a call on your life to be a healing minister. Okay? Now, everybody didn't raise your hand. You're wrong. You are a healing minister. You are a healing minister. The reason we know that is because of Mark chapter 16. Hallelujah. This is not written to apostles, Mark chapter 16, is it? No, he said, He that believeth and is baptized, and these, well, let me go to verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Are you one of those that believe? Hallelujah, you are. So in my name, in his name, you will cast out devils. You are a deliverance minister just because you're a believer. They say, I don't want to do that. Yes, you do. Your head just hadn't figured it out yet. Hallelujah. And you have not realized you're still scared because you have not studied the believer's authority to the point where you're not scared of devils. The way you get unafraid of devils, and I used to be the foremost of... Listen, when we were first baptized in the Holy Spirit, we had the book Pigs in the Parlor. I couldn't even store it at my house. I had to store it at my grandmother's house, the book. Could not have it in the house with me. I still don't like anything about the devil. I hate stuff about Halloween. The other night at 9 o'clock, I, I, I get these decorator catalogs, and it was Grandin Road. I got that catalog, and I have never seen such wicked Halloween stuff. It was, it was perverse. It was horrible. And I had Pastor build a burn it in the fire pit in the backyard at 9 o'clock at night because it's like, I want this off my property. That thing didn't even want to burn. It was because it was damp. It wasn't because it had devils in it, <laughs> I, I presume. Anyway, but so I don't like it now, but, you know, I can keep the book in my house. 
And so we have, that's how you get rid of the fear of demons. And if a demon manifests from somebody when you're ministering healing, if you know your authority in Christ, uh, what I heard a little saying, and it was, uh, let's see. It's, I'll find it for next week, I'll tell you, but it's something about if you, um, if you, if you, if you know, if you, if you know they're there, you've got them. You, we ought to be more afraid of not knowing they're there. Because once you know they're there, you have authority. They got to go. Amen. I'll find the little saying and, and read that to you next time. Okay. <clears throat> So know you're a minister of healing. Also in Ephesians 4, 11 and 15, the Bible says uh, that God gave, some, God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teaching, teachers for the um, equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. You have a, you, you're called to the work of the ministry. The work of, that means you're called to do the works that Jesus did ministering. That doesn't just mean, well, I'm called to empty trash and clean toilets. And God may prove our faithfulness a lot of times in that area. And we never need to get so big icky that we can't do that. You know, get our heads so big we can't get through the door. Hallelujah. But God has also called you to do the works that Jesus did, the works of the ministry. Hallelujah. So if you didn't raise your hand that I'm a healing minister, you're wrong. You are. And who else is going to get those people healed around you that I don't see and pastor doesn't see? And, you know, I think it loses something when you, they say, I'm sick, and you go, well, would you come to church? No, they're not going to come to church. A lot of them, they need to get healed right then and there. Hallelujah. And Jesus is more than willing, and we have to prepare our faith in that. Hallelujah. Uh, number The next thing is under prepare ourselves is personal pride has to go. And I prayed this while ago. You know, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. How much do we love the world? We have to love people and care that they're sick more than we care what people think about us. You know what I'm saying? Personal pride, uh, our love for others has to be more than how we love how we look or we love how we sound or I'm afraid I'll look crazy or I'm afraid I'll sound crazy or what someone thinks. We have to love. I say, you know, we have to love them so much and can't stand that they're sick so much. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that we will step out there, and also getting rid of the fear of failure. We have to love them so much that it eclipses any fear of failure that we have. We need to recognize that everybody won't get healed, and especially when you're first starting out. But the only way to get through the initial stages where you're praying for people and they're not getting healed is to pray for people until they start getting healed. Till the anointing and the desire and the want to and the understanding of how to do it increases to the point where all of a sudden they do. I was reading about this guy named Todd and he just got such a revelation and so wanted to get people healed and he started out praying for people. And one of the things that everybody says is if you want more people pray healed, pray for more people. If you pray for one person every year, chances are nobody's going to get healed. Because remember, only 25% are good ground. And so, you know, you just got to take your, you know, God will heal some people, though, trying to get them to come and be good ground. 
So anyway, so this guy Todd, he was praying for 10 to 12 people a day. And he did that for two weeks and not one soul got healed. And he prayed for 700 people before the first one got healed. Hallelujah. That we need to have, that's one of my other points is we're going to have to really want this and have a determination about it. And my determination and my really wanting it is increasing. And one way to get to really wanting it is to confess to the Lord, which He knows anyway, Lord, I don't want this like I should. I, I really am putting a lot more emphasis on other things. And I want things of this world more than I really want to see people healed and set free and to go to heaven. Not realizing that, you know, this is going to be over very soon. Very, very soon. And we're not going to have anything to take with us in the form of reward or anything like that. Uh, because we, and we can't take, then nothing of this world is going to count for anything anymore. Not really thinking, you know, uh, Peter said, don't be short-sighted. Short-sighted means you can only think about the next two weeks or month or three months. You're not thinking about that, you know, we are just a few short years away from rapturing out of here. We know that the sixth day is over. We are at the end of the 2,000 years since Jesus came. It can't be very long. It is impossible for it to be very much longer. And you know, I know they've been saying that for hundreds of years, but the fact is they didn't even have the revelation in the Word of what, of what Peter was saying and, and the six-day work week. God gave Adam a six-day work week and rest on the seventh day. And the seventh day is the millennial. And we are at the end of the sixth day. And because uh, they didn't know this, well... Uh, you know, they, they read the times of the, the signs of the times wrong. But in the light of how God thinks that uh, uh, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day, they were right when they were the 1940s and the 1950s and the 1930s when they said, Jesus is coming back soon. You know, 110 years is not, if you say 1900, they were believing it. When Azusa Street, 1906... You know, 1906 to 2011 is not really that long. Now, Myron, you can cut that back a little. We're getting, we're getting a little frostbite hanging on our nose. When, when I see noses that have icicles hanging on them, because the nose is running, it turned to an icicle. Well, you know, hallelujah. We won't go into that real deep. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so uh, personal pride has to go and be determined. Hallelujah. We have to... Uh, just keep pressing on in. You know, God will teach us if we'll keep pressing. If we give up, hallelujah. We put our confidence in God and not ourselves. That's one reason we can keep on keeping on. You know, one of the things I was praying today, and do you realize God wants them healed more than you want them healed? God wants you healed more than you even want yourself healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so God wants people healed really bad. So we put our confidence in Him and in His Word. We didn't say this. We're not making this up. We're doing this based on Your Word, Lord. But we have, we have, we're weak in our faith. We need to strengthen our faith. We are not persistent prayers. And, uh, that will come to that in a minute. So, and then also depend on Him, which is kind of like putting your confidence on Him. But I'm talking about depend on Him when you're in the situation. Ask for help. You know, 
uh, you're sitting there and somebody starts telling you something, okay, you start looking and kind of under your heart, in your heart saying, Lord, what do I do here? What do I say? What am I supposed to do? Remember, the light's always green. So it's better to just go for it. And even if it kind of blah, 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 kind of blurps out and doesn't come out right, don't worry about yourself. Quit worrying. You know, they're not going to care that you weren't fluid if they're healed. They're going to be grateful. Hallelujah. They're not going to care. They may be mad as hops now, but if they end up getting... I've seen people get, get mad and still get saved. I've seen people that didn't want to receive healing and still get healed. I, saw, I heard of a man that we knew that he the whole time the deliverance minister was trying to deliver him from cigarettes, he was mad and said, I don't want to be delivered. And he still got delivered from cigarettes. Hallelujah. Now, that doesn't happen every day, but sometimes God will go past things. Uh, he looks at the heart. We look at the outward man and what he's doing and how he's acting in expression. You know, don't look at, you know, Jeremiah, they told Jeremiah, don't look at their faces. Well, I'm not saying look at the ground, but I'm saying that what that means is don't pay attention to his expression. If I paid attention to your expressions, I'd go sit down. A lot of times... You just, th hallelujah. And I know uh, my expression. I mean, I'm the world's worst. My teachers used to go talk to my parents in high school. My mom, they'd say, why does Debbie, because I have all my life when somebody's talking, turn my head to listen to them. I don't even know which way I turn it. I think like this. And that makes you look skeptical. So they'd be teaching American history, and I'd be looking at them like that, like I, you know. And uh, and uh, and it, my mom took me to ear doctors, eye doctors. Why does she turn her head? I'm like I don't know. There's nothing wrong with her, you know. But it it always made me like. And pastor sometimes saying, "Man, was I? You know, I couldn't read you today. Were you? I like pay me no attention. I'm just, you know, I don't even know I'm doing it. And so don't look at their faces." Hallelujah. Uh, <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Depend on Him. We inquire of the Lord. What am I supposed to do? We, and then going back to John 5, 19, we do what we see our Father do. If we see something. We need to get real alert and tuned in and sensitive to that because we're seeing more than we know we're seeing. And we're hearing more than we know we're hearing. We're seeing little glimpses of things and either ignoring it or thinking, oh, that's just me, or, you know, just really not sensitive to that. And uh, I'm telling you, it is so on the increase that it's amazing what you see and what you hear and hear, uh, you know, God talk to you about things. And, you know, it's so much on the increase that you're going to have to develop your faith for it because the seeing and knowing gift is so operating in these last days that it nearly kind of gets overwhelming and scary. 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 <laughs> scary too, but scary. Um, scary because it's like, oh my Lord, I don't know if I really wanted to see that. You know, or hear that, or know that. Okay, so then... Um, Let's go to the next thing that we were talking about, dominant faith still under that. Now let's talk about pursuing healing. Hallelujah. Because faith always pursues. That is something you need to remember. When somebody's not pursuing, they're not in faith. 
Because faith always pursues. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she she got on the pursuit. Jairus pursued. That was a sign that he did have some faith. Might not have been complete. Might could have not carried him through the crisis that came up. But it was faith. Hallelujah. God loves faith. You always know that. God loves faith. Somebody said this. I believe it was Smith Wigglesworth. Might not have been. But somebody said it. Said God will jump over a million people to get to one person in faith. And he will. He's done it for us before. He, we've been in a meeting where nobody there was in faith. Even the ministers, which was Mark Brzee and David Ellis, they, they were at that meeting and they said that was the most hor- that was Mark Brzee's second most horrible meeting in the whole world. And uh, they talk about it. They, but now they know because we've told them that they changed our lives in that meeting. They got us to Alabama. That meeting got us to Alabama. And God jumped over a million people. Were you all there? Yeah, they were there. God jumped over a million people because somebody was in faith, needed a word from heaven, got to hear from God. They didn't even know we were having to hear from God right then, but uh, hallelujah. They were there with us. Anyway, uh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So faith always pursues. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. If you're going to have be a healing minister, you're going to have to pursue faith for healing for other people because uh, you know it's not faith if it's not pursuing. It's like it's like if you're like, Well, I know that God wants to use me to heal the sick, and someday it's just gonna happen then you're not in faith about it because you're not in any pursuit of it. And you need to say, listen, I know this, so I need to... Uh, faith begins where the will of God is known, so you have a beginning place for your faith. And and if, even if you don't know that by word, you know it by Mark chapter 16, I'm going to pursue and start believing. And uh, when, when when I start believing, that means I'll start putting utterance or prayers to my faith and start praying out these miracles I'm wanting to see instead of just waiting for it to happen. Uh, Andrew Womack says that before he saw the first person, and I don't know, it's a lot now that he's seen raised from the dead, but before he saw the first one raised from the dead, he spent literally hours meditating, seeing in his heart, visualizing, imagining him raising someone from the dead before it happened the first time. He was developing his faith and he was also preparing himself to be in that situation that somebody be dead. If we don't prepare ourselves, we'll be scared and we'll go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, somebody call 911, you know. I know because I've been there. Hallelujah. So, uh, but if we prepare ourselves, well, and, and we've already, we've already seen it a zillion times in our faith, in our dreams, in our heart. Hallelujah. So uh, faith pursues. And if we're not pursuing Him, we're not pleasing Him. If we're not pursuing God, we're not pleasing God because faith pursues. Uh, and and <clears throat> faith pleases God. We need to start right now as a church praying and as an individual praying for the healing anointing. I think sometimes we pray for healing, but we don't pray for the healing anointing and specifically for it to increase. We pray, Father, that the healing anointing would increase at Word of Life Church. In every service, the healing anointing increases. Hallelujah. Because the greater the healing anointing, the greater number of people are going to get healed and the greater, uh, the, 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 how do I say that, the worse sicknesses 
are going to get healed instead of little bitty sicknesses like little things, you know, which are important because if they hurt, they hurt. Hallelujah. I'm not saying they're not important, but if you're not getting the greater anointings and increasing the anointing, we need to increase our anointing to the place where even major things are easy to get healed here. Hallelujah. So let's pr begin to pray that. Um, and, and also Matthew 25, 21, Jesus said, when you're faithful over a few things or the little things, you'll be made master and ruler over much. So we be faithful over a little anointing. God gives us greater anointing and we believe for the greater anointings. Amen. Let's begin to pray that. Develop our own faith to be healers. Instead of having faith for somebody else. Oh, I'm believing for this, the, the lame to walk. I'm believing for somebody else to do that and lay hands on them. I'm believing for that to happen right up at the front of the church. Well, how about are you believing for it to happen in your life that you get the lame to walk? And if you don't have faith for say, I just don't have faith for that now. Well, can you believe that somebody that's got a headache in Walmart could get healed? Start with the little things and be faithful and move up. Now believe for something bigger. Hallelujah. Can we do that? We can. And actively believing it and thinking it and saying it and praying it and thanking the Lord for it and, and seeing it happen and being ready every day because it's out there every day. Did you know everybody's sick every day out there? If it's not a headache, it's a toeache or a toothache. Pursue spiritual gifts. I want us in Word of Life Church, and we're going to learn about this one week. I want us to start with pursuing the Word of Knowledge. Let's pursue it in our prayers and start believing God that we are all having Word of Knowledge. Amen? Because it's one of the main keys to getting people healed is Word of Knowledge. Because I never really understood this before, but Word of Knowledge, and God talked to me about it today, Word of Knowledge causes faith in people. And I'll tell you, um, so we want to study the Word of Knowledge. Now, we've studied it before, but let me tell you how we studied it. I could have covered it in three minutes. Word of Knowledge is uh, the past or the present. In other words, it's like, well, you've got, a, you, you've got something wrong with your ankle. You know, that would be, or, you know, something to do with that, okay? And uh, we've talked about it this way. We've explained two ways. That it's supernatural knowledge that you could not have apart from God. Uh, there's a lot more to the word of knowledge than that. And that's all we've ever taught you. That's all we ever knew. But we can teach word of knowledge in a more in-depth way, and we can find out how to activate word of knowledge so that everybody's having word of knowledge. You need word of knowledge to raise kids. You need word of knowledge uh, to know what to do at your job. Amen? Okay. Um, we can develop word of knowledge, and let's pray about this, okay? We can develop word of knowledge to a higher level. For instance, you could have a word of knowledge that said, God wants to heal somebody's back this morning. I saw a back. That's good. But that's not going to create as much faith in people as if you say, I saw uh, God, I saw a back, and I saw, let's see, I saw it, it's about the third vertebrae. It's, it's, the, it's the third vertebrae. Okay, now faith in somebody's going to a whole other level. 
And then if you heard, if you said, okay, Lord, show me more. Oh, it's a man. Now there's a man and he's got a back problem. It's in the third vertebrae. Look at the faith. How, oh my word, that man is, he's going to know. God has found me. Hallelujah. And then even if, uh, uh, like I heard about a man, he said uh, he got a word of knowledge about a back and he got a word of knowledge about which vertebrae. And then he said, uh, and oh, I see how that happened. You tripped over a green hose. Actually, he said, well, I won't go into that tonight. Let's just leave it at green hose. And that man said, well, that's me. I tripped over a green hose. I'm in aeronautics. I, I, I tripped over a green hose at the airport. So, wow, faith just... So can, can you believe with me that we can take our word of knowledge that we already know operates in this church, go to another whole level with word of knowledge, being more specific, in other words. Because more, the more specific it is, uh, the more faith it creates. We want to begin to pray persistent and passionate prayers, pursuing miracle breakthroughs. We need to quit thinking collectively, corporately, and individually that we are going to have awesome anointings and blessings without passionate prayer. It ain't going to happen. Or if you want me to say it in English, regular English, it is not going to happen. To have awesome anointings and blessings without passionate prayer. That's how it's going to happen, is that we get passionate. And even I think even passionate, but specifically passionate. And I know sometimes it, you wake up in the morning and you feel like, oh my word, how am I going to cover all this? But, you know, God's going to put you on some specific things. He don't expect you to pray every disease, you know, for anointing for every disease. Which br brings me to the next thing. Contend for specific breakthroughs. Let's contend for specific breakthroughs. You know, I, I, I had this thought today that... A big clue of what God wants us to contend for is what is right before us here in this church that needs to be healed. We need to contend. We may not can start on cancer. That's big. Not for God, but for us. And But we can start believing God to heal cancer. But one of the things we could start with right now, because I can think of three or four or five people in the church that need healing in their backs right now. We could start believing God for the anointing and the breakthroughs to heal backs. Because once we get one back healed in this church, we'll get them all healed. And everybody that comes into this church, because see, once it's here, it'll be here. And then once we get one cancer patient healed, once it's here, it'll be here. It's just not been here yet. Hallelujah. So we're going to start praying those things. We need to pray for boldness. I know, Pastor, when we was praying tonight, prayed about boldness. Mark, uh, Acts 4, 29 and 30 says, uh, Lord, grant boldness. We know that it's good to pray for boldness because uh, in Acts, they prayed for boldness. Acts chapter 4. So I've given you a lot of things to pray tonight. But if you're serious about being a healing minister, and that's really the focus right now. You know, we are not the size church right now that can do everything. But and we need to do what... what what we can do that maybe other churches, it's unlikely that some churches in town are going to get to that healing thing. But they can do other things. And we could spread ourselves too thin, but this is the major thing. Besides being a praying church, this is the major thing, is being a healing church that God has called us to be. And if we don't do that, there's, a, there's 
50 dozen just like us. But if we do that, hallelujah, they will come in trains, planes, and automobiles to be healed. Especially God's setting this earth. He's setting some things up so that people are going to need Him once more. Hallelujah. Um, if they don't already. So Acts 4.29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Stretch forth your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. We're the ones that use that name. Amen. And he stretches forth his hands through us. We are, hey, we are his body. He's the head. We are his body. We're the hands. Hallelujah. You got that? And so if you don't do anything but pray this, Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, you will have done well for boldness when you go to pray for boldness. Okay? The main key to ministering healing. I didn't originate this, but I believe it with all my heart. The main key to ministering healing is to cry out to God in the secret place and take risks in the public place. You're going to have to take risks. Let's be thankful and recognize even a little bit of glory in the church. Even a small healing. I, it's amazing sometimes people don't report them, but actually people get healed here. And a lot of times we heal about, hear about it three months later, but, you know, well, yeah, you know, when you prayed for me three months ago, well, my ankle, well, it quit hurting. You know, well, that's small, but it's a glory. And that's why we like prayer requests. I mean, we like uh, praise reports. We like prayer requests too, but praise reports. Okay, so be thankful. When healing doesn't come, you pray for somebody and healing doesn't come, don't give up. I'm not saying don't give up on them. God may or may not want you to re-pray for them. But you go back to the secret. You don't blame them, and you don't blame God. It's sure not God's fault. It's probably just that we're not, we are not as developed in our faith as we need to be. That's what happened to the apostles. They, the man, let's go there, Mark 9. And we're going to end right here. Mark 9, um, the disciples, the apostles of Jesus, they were not, I guess they were disciples then, uh, now apostles of the Lamb. Mark 9, verse 14, I don't know. Um, and when he came, and, and okay, let's go back up. Um, okay, when he came to his disciples, verse 14, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. That's a demon, in case y'all, you know, wondered. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. So this little son had a devil, a demon. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Now, he was talking to the disciples there. He wasn't talking to the father. He's not expecting that father. All the faith he had was to bring the son. But he's expecting his disciples to be able to get this done. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he, he began to ask the father questions. He began to say, now how long has, 
ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And then the man went on to, uh, went on to explain some more to him. And then the man even questioned whether Jesus could do it. And Jesus got on to him and said, uh, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And, um, and he, he, the child cried out and the father said, I believe, help him, help him, help him, help him. And so, um, but here's the disciples here. And uh, I, I guess I read in the wrong place because there's other places this story's at because I didn't see it there. Yeah, about down he says, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So that he got on to the disciples. He said, oh, uh, where's your faith? Where's your faith? And uh, they, but, but what had happened to their faith? Because they had been out. He had sent them forth. They came back rejoicing. Even the devils are subject to us. They were, they were, they had been healing the sick. They had been doing the works of Jesus. They knew these, this stuff, but all of a sudden they run into something that they can't handle because they look, they, they, they began to be moved by what they saw. This kid is thrashing. He's foaming. He's having a, uh, some sort of a seizure of some kind, and they began to see that and be moved by what they saw. And their faith dropped, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus came, and that spirit did that same thing in front of him, but he wasn't moved by what he saw. Okay, so, uh, so when we pray for somebody uh, and healing doesn't come, what we have to do is go back to the secret place and pray some more, not for God to heal them, but for to generate more anointing in our life and to to show us how to pray and 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 for the Lord and also to to get rid of uh, uh, doubt and unbelief because they, their doubt and unbelief uh, overpowered them. They had faith, but the doubt and unbelief overpowered them. And he said it that that doubt and unbelief comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, we know prayer and fasting does not change God. God cannot change. Malachi said, I am the Lord, I change not. He, you will not change God. You will not change His mind or change His will. But His will is always healing. So you will not change God by fasting and prayer. Hallelujah. But what will happen is you will, uh, you will first of all, you'll put under your flesh because you're not moved by what you see as much when your flesh is not dominant and ruling your life. Now, I don't advocate... You know, we were taught that you that um, you can do what God tells you to do, but where fasting's concerned, where we were taught was to lead a fasted life. Jesus led a fasted life. Now that may mean fasting a meal here and there. That may Brother Hagen taught us he never fasted more than three days the whole time. You know, you do whatever God leads you to do. I've heard of people fasting 20 days. But if you will lead a fasted life, it will help a great deal. If you don't do anything else but just not, you know, just let your flesh have a heyday, anything and everything, whenever you want it, you know. Whether it's getting off of one thing. Okay, I'm not going to do this. Not because it's evil. You don't have to quit caffeine because it's evil. You don't, I wouldn't even advocate getting... <laughs> I, I would say choose something else unless God specifically tells you. <laughs> but it's got to be something. Oh, you know, uh, my uncle, he was Episcopalian and Lent, they always give up something. So, you know, Lent comes way up in February sometime. And so he's, we, they said, well, Sam, what are you going to give up for Lent? He said, I'm going to give up watermelon. We said, Uncle Sam, 
there's no watermelons in February. He said, exactly. That's why I'm giving up watermelon for Lent. Y'all may not think that's funny, but to those of us that don't do Lent, it's funny. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> glory to God. I would advocate not giving up something, you know. Well, I'm going to give up um, something that, you know, you would never eat anyway. I'm going to give up, like for me to say I'm going to give up chicken livers, it'd be easy, honey. It'd be easy. I I done gave them up. I've been fasting them for years. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Pastor saying, I'm on fast beats. He's been fasting them forever. Hallelujah. But, you know, to say, well, you know, I'm going to start making my life. I'm going to quit making my flesh be boss in every area. It may boss me in some areas, but I'm going to have one area where I boss my flesh. And it will help you when you go to pray. Hallelujah. So we're going to we're going to endeavor to do that. Okay. Um, So then also we talk about meditate and visualize yourself ministering, healing and it happening. We talked about it already. Learn to pray in the Spirit continually. Now, we have always advocated this. I got real stirred up again about it in the David Ellis meetings. But, you know, you can pray in the Spirit, driving to work, doing laundry, cleaning house. I do it all the time. And then pray in this, I always pray in the Spirit over here, pray in the Spirit back. Uh, and uh, it, it is the main ingredient that the Bible teaches us to build our faith. You have faith, but it will build your faith if you pray in the Spirit. And we need to do that. Be aware that you have a Holy Ghost anointing coming out of you all the time, the glory. I tell you, I've noticed it showing up more. People are walking up and talking to me. And I'm like thinking, why are you talking to me? And I, But yesterday I was saying that because this woman just started talking to me out of the blue and telling me all this stuff. And, um, and, the, and it's like... Uh, the Lord showed me there's something on you that you can't see. She can't, may not even can see it, but it's drawing her. You know, if she's bugs and flies, and I'm not calling her that, but they're attracted to light, you know. And so if she's not born again, she's attracted. Something's there that makes me want to talk to you. Now, I realize there's some people that could... Uh, talk 30 minutes to a wrong number, but, uh, you know, I'm generally not the kind of person that people just want to come up and strike up a conversation with. I guess I have kind of a more serious look on my face and stuff, and uh, uh, I'm really a lot of fun. I make pastor laugh, uh, but I just am not that... uh, Y'all just don't get to see me in that light very often, but anyway, um, (laughs) hallelujah. I try to keep that hid. So be aware of that. People are going to be attracted to it. And you know, that's my point, though. My point was to tell you this. When they come up and start talking to you, they're not going to always come up and start talking about something spiritual or even about their sickness or their disease or anything. They may just come up and start talking, and it's our responsibility to listen and and not just, and to even maybe see if we can't, if God won't open the door to take the conversation to something besides the price of cereal or something, you know, and and get that door opened uh, for healing and ministering healing. Hallelujah. Well, we're not through yet, but we're getting there. 
So let's build our faith. Let's pray just a minute and building up ourselves on our most holy faith. And let's pray for the healing anointing to increase. And let's pray for uh, the healing anointing for backs. That that would we could get that in the church. I mean, we could get five people healed in this church, you know, just with getting that operating. And then everybody else that comes after that. You know, you've heard people say, well, I really have a, an anointing to pray for backs, or I really have an anointing, and nearly everybody I pray for gets healed. Let's be that kind of church. Let's start there. But, so we're going to start believing for that. And uh, mm-hmm. and um, what else did I say? The healing anointing to increase, and I guess that was it. Oh, word of knowledge. Word of knowledge, yeah. Let's pray for those things tonight. Hallelujah. Father, we just come before.